As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The race is off. The Australian Grand Prix has been cancelled, and with Bahrain and Vietnam coming up, but sure to be postponed as well, who knows when the F1 season will finally get going. It might be June's Azerbaijan Grand Prix at the earliest before we see some racing. But even though we didn't see any on-track action here in Melbourne, there was plenty going on off it, with the saga over whether the race would go ahead or not. I'm Ed Straw, and joining me to untangle exactly what happened here are Scott Mitchell and Mark Hughes. Well, Scott, coming to you first, you're looking enormously lively. You didn't look like you were just using your microphone as a pillow and about to doze off, so you got away with that. No, 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 I'm fine. I was just recovering. Uh, I was recovering from a slight laughing fit before uh, the um, listeners might be surprised to know that we don't always record these in absolute seamless uh, one, one, one swoop. And uh, on this occasion, I think uh, Mark and I were, were were caught out with a little bit of humour at your your brilliant intro, a, a a play on the the usual excellent way you open the podcast. Very appropriate. I think you and I had exactly the same idea didn't we of how you should start this podcast i jokingly said to you you should start it with with this and you said turned around and said that's exactly how i'm gonna do it it's it's the obvious way because the race is off and it works because normally i'd say the race is on but this race the race hyphen is on yes don't forget the hyphen the race.com never forget the hyphen we've said it enough now but don't forget the hyphen. We've got to remind people to head to our to our websites. That's always uh, always worth doing. Also joining me is Mark Hughes, who's had a little bit more sleep than Scott Mitchell. So we're counting on you to be a bit more coherent. Are you feeling intelligible and insightful today? Yeah, as long as you can un- understand my accent, we should be fine. I'm sorry, what? What? Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> That's just noise. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Partridge. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's always a bit of a Partridge reference in there. What's it all about, man? <laughs> <laughs> That's even worse. Does that sound authentic, Mark? No, it sounds like he's from Wales on the way to Swahili or something. Anyway, we should get on with what we're actually here to talk about, which is the whole saga over the Australian Grand Prix. We'll start with you, Scott, because we all 
came out to Australia. We knew there were some question marks about whether it was all a good idea. Everything seemed to kind of ramp up once we got into the paddock on Thursday. Every single media session, every driver and team boss we spoke to, there was a barrage of questions about coronavirus and the, and the situation there. Is it a good idea? And Lewis Hamilton being quite strong on the fact he didn't feel it was uh, it was right that, that we were there. And there was just kind of this growing sense of unease that developed all through the day, obviously starting with the fact that we knew from Wednesday night that some Haas and McLaren personnel were being tested for for potential coronavirus. So it all just really, I guess it's pr- probably Wednesday afternoon, it just started to ramp up, didn't it? Yeah, what a weird, what a weird week. Um, you, you, you mentioned that the Thursday with the media sessions and the the barrage of questions. It was a barrage of questions and a bunch of barriers in front of the drivers, which I thought was uh, was quite it was just quite unusual. And more than one driver came out and and, and as they were went to sit down, the the teams every team implemented this like, sort of was between a meter and two meters, wasn't it? A gap between uh, where the where the driver would sit or the team boss would sit at their table, and there'd be a little bit of a gap. The, um, and then the filthy media, and then the filthy media, exactly. So finally, they got their wish, and there was a bit of a barrier between us. Um, but more than one would come out. They'd take one look at the barrier. They'd just go, "This is just weird, isn't it?" And that was it. Almost felt, almost felt like guilty asking them about it because you're kind of like, "I know we're not here to talk about this. I know no one wants to talk about this. I know you're not a health expert. You don't want to talk about this." But it feels wrong if we don't talk about this. So how do you, how do you feel? And everyone basically is just, "This is." This is just a bit peculiar. I mean, I've not got as much of a, a frame of reference to. It's, it's not quite as uh, not quite as long a list of, of races, but it is comfortably the the weirdest atmosphere I've ever ever experienced in the paddock. And as two two people who must have experienced things like the Volcano Grand Prix and um, the the year after the Bahrain was was cancelled, this must still be up there for the weirdest Indy, ones. Indy two thousand and five as well. This is the weirdest. This is the weirdest. It, it, you know, the whole built. It, it was almost like um, a televised drama. You know how it, it, the, the end of each bit leaves you hanging, wondering what's going to happen next. It was almost like that. A series of those, you know, beginning with is Ferrari going to be able to get out of Italy in time for the, for even to to happen? Um, yeah, we've got past that, and you know, you know, and then the, we, the, the, that's the beginning of the next episode. But then it's building up. Oh, there's been there's been somebody tested for Corona, and and then you know, as it went and on and on. And then it seemed like it was sort of that at ease because we heard that a couple of the Hass uh, team members, the were first cleared, ones tested, yeah. were cleared. So we thought, oh, right, that's that's all right. Though we knew there was a McLaren one we tested yeah. as well. So you thought the tension going up and down. It's like a brilliantly crafted HBO miniseries. It's basically going to be season three of Netflix Drive to Survive. It's just going to be all of season three will be the Australian Grand Prix. It will just be the the, the week or so worth of build up, and then and there won't be any racing in it. Only the cancellation <laughs> will happen on the last lap of the race because everything in that series seems to happen <laughs> mysteriously on the last lap of the race, even when it didn't. But so, but yeah, there's the false ending as well. Don't forget the false ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where we. We, we we thought it was all decided and it was off and then the organizer said no everything's <laughs> as normal come in um which was bizarre because everybody knew it was off the, the, the some of the drivers had even gone home well you you were um you you were going into the into the track today when mm. the the fans were outside yeah, and couldn't yeah. get in that must have been aw- yeah. awkward going through through them and well they hadn't been told at that point that the race was off they they just uh, they turned up as at, at at the time that they'd been told that the gates were open, but were told they, they they couldn't come in yet, they weren't being told what was going on. Um, so yeah, bizarre situation, it's surreal. And then uh, it 
uh, it played out as it was always going to play out. But there were like loads of funny little surreal moments. So the three hardline teams that had wanted to race but had been outvoted, uh, they were going ahead as as normal. Um, they said, well, until we're told otherwise, we're just going to treat it as a routine Grand Prix. We're doing pit stop practice now. While the team next to them was dismantling all their equipment. And there was another thing where the uh, teams were told, if you can't use the pit lane to put your packing crates in, um, because that would imply that the pit lane is not available for the support races, which the organizers put on. Thereby, the organizer would be admitting uh, if they allowed F1 teams to use the, the pit lane, uh, they, they'd be admitting that the race was off and uh, they, they couldn't be the ones seen to be admitting that. So it, it was, yeah, it was just the most surreal experience, um, yeah, of, of any Grand Prix I've been at. It sort of turned into, I mean, the, the one I liken it to was the Chinese Grand Prix, the Volcano Grand Prix, as I call it, in 2010, when the Icelandic Volcano. Uh, How do you pronounce gra- it? How do you pronounce it? Whenever I write about it, I have to look it up and I have to do a copy and paste. It begins with an E and it's got a lot of consonants in it. Consonants in it so I've, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it. Although I might in post-production go in and, and read it out and uh, insert it to sound clever. But uh, but the reason I compare it to that one is even though Bahrain 2012, when we went back there after the year off, was weird because of the situation. I just remember in the Chinese Grand Prix, just the race was totally irrelevant. Everyone was just running around saying, oh, how are you getting back? How are you getting back? And people coming up with these elaborate ways of whether well, they were going to use the Trans-Siberian Railway or whatever to, to get back. You went, you went to the US, didn't you? Martin? I went the other way around to everybody else. I went to New York and had a few days there. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was great. That, that was a good move. I went to speak to the man with an with a, with a airline company, spoke to Tony Fernandez, who ran the yeah. Lotus team, and went to, went to Kuala Lumpur and then flew back to Stansted. So that, that sort of worked. But it was just the race was a total... Nothing, yeah, and, and even even on Thursday, you know, this is the first race of the season. Normally Thursday, it's all anticipation and excitement, but it's just, we're talking about constant coronavirus and just laughing about the flipping yeah. retractable belt barriers beloved of airports that were just surrounding yeah. the drivers. But I tell you what uh, else struck me as a parallel with the um, the, the China one, the, the volcano one, uh, was the initial reaction to the in, the in the F1 paddock of, well, how could this be happening? No, no, I'll just, I'll just... I've got my own arrangements to get back. The, the real world impacting upon the F1 world, just it, it's obviously nonsense. Just it, there'll be a way around that. And you know, there was there were certain parallels this weekend with that. Um, well, yeah. Formula One kind of creates its its own it's its own little world, isn't it? Because it travels around. Yeah, and it is. You know, for us, it's the same thing. No matter what country, mm. the paddock is basically the same. The shape's a bit different. The buildings mm. are a bit different, or whatever. But but it's basically the same thing. So it's like this sort of city that moves around. So yeah. th- that's why. There is a literal bubble, really, if mm-hmm. you like, as, yeah. well, as well as a metaphorical one. So there is this feeling of, well, we're F1, we crack on, we push on, we, we mm. get the job done. And in many ways, that's a wonderful attitude and it, it serves yeah. Formula One brilliantly. But there are times, like you say, when it collides with the real world yeah. or a really big problem mm. and Formula One is just not equipped to deal with it. Yeah, and the other thing is that Formula One is renowned, whatever it touches, it speeds up. It speeds up development in technology, and it speeds up the spread of coronavirus. Exactly, and it's <laughs> this is the first time that um, trait has been such a, a liability. It's normally a, a massive asset. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just a very difficult situation to, to deal with. Everyone's just not uh, not equipped for it. But it, it, the thing that struck me is it was that just growing sense of unease because like, you went in on a Thursday. Yeah, which normally you run around talking to people, etc. And 
and it just thought, yeah, this isn't very sensible, isn't it? And of course, it was on the Thursday. It was basically the Thursday morning in Australia. So mm. probably it would have been Wednesday. It was actually uh, uh, announced probably in the US. The World Health Organization had declared yeah. this to be a pandemic. So yeah. it was escalating. We knew things were getting worse, et cetera. And we were thinking, is this a really good idea? Should we mm-hmm. be here? We were all there basically because it's like, well, it's on and it's our job to be there. But yeah. are we actually being responsible by being here and every single team and driver pretty much with a few exceptions if they were asked about it they said i've I've just never heard so many people express total confidence in the fia f1 and australian grand prix promoters exactly yeah which is why it was such a brilliant brilliant breath of fresh air when when lewis hamilton was was so strongly critical of it because not only was a thing I was sort of saying, oh yeah, this is comfortably the strongest criticism we've heard of this so far. No, nope, hang on, it's it's the only criticism we've heard of it so far. Shocking, I think was the word. He Shocking, used. Shocking and very very surprised that we're here. And he said, uh, obviously there was the the cash is king line, and also said that um, when the rest of the world seems to be doing something, F one is, is doing its own thing. And what what I found really frustrating within the whole, um, oh, there was nothing we could have could have done or we couldn't have predicted this line that was being trotted out is if you take any other aspect of how formula one works and apply that logic to it it every, it, all, it just falls down in, in a grand prix the strategists don't go well you know we were just we just why does it matter what the race might look like in in 10 laps time you know we're in the lead at the moment so so who who, who cares if you've got a weather forecast that tells you it's going to rain in in 15 laps you don't just leave like wet tires or intermediate tires just it might completely not untouched yeah. Like you just, you just, (laughs) F1 is always about foresight and planning and, and preparation. And what, what frustrates me is that because this didn't come out of the blue and yes, it escalated and yes, it became a pandemic and the true severity of it only became apparent. It only does become apparent with each passing day of a situation like this. It, it was still a situation a week ago and the, the way it was ended up being dealt with and the lack of communication over it, even if it was being dealt with behind the scenes and whatever wranglings there were, it was being dealt with and it wasn't being communicated. And it was just, it was just a yeah, failure of leadership across, um, across the various organisations in, involved. Well, this is the thing, because obviously the, the key event was when the McLaren team member was, uh, was diagnosed, confirmed to be a case of coronavirus, now, McLaren announced this on Thursday night at 10.21. They issued a statement saying they were pulling out of the race as a result. And we always knew that if there was a confirmed case, then, yeah, there was going to be a withdrawal. And we kind of assumed that everything would then move from there. And, of course, you know, the key players knew about this before that statement. So you've already got the ball rolling. And when we saw that, we thought, right, it's all happening now. This will be pretty quick that we'll go from that to race cancelled. But <laughs> astonishingly, it just it just didn't go like that and it it was it was always going to be a highly charged political landscape but the very reason that formula one has kind of got into a situation where it was it was hitting and hoping with this they're thinking we might might get away with we might actually get away with this and they might that it wasn't impossible they might have done you know as christian Horner said to you mark that had they picked up the uh the coronavirus suspected symptoms before the before yeah then it wouldn't have and traveled then i mean there may have been another one we don't know but you know, it, it's small margins, but it was a completely irresponsible gamble, really. And we assumed things would happen to, to sort this out, but it's kind of symptomatic of the, the wider landscape that it just didn't go this way. The teams convened, and then the real battle, you know, 
there was no racing this weekend, but there was a massive battle between uh, between teams going on. There is there's a, um, a the, there's a difference in opinion between the teams, but it wasn't just on whether the race should go ahead or not. Um, there was uh, battles between uh, legality. Um, Red Bull very unhappy with the Mercedes DAS steering system. Um, Probably not coincidentally because its uh, rearranged front end um, means it's effectively impossible to incorporate DAS on the on the Red Bull. Uh, also, uh, the Mercedes uh, rear suspension was the subject of a, a technical directive that required them to make significant changes there. So this was this niggle um, had the ongoing niggle between Ferrari FIA on one side and their agreement with last year's uh, power unit and the the seven uh, non-aligned teams. So the, 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 there was a, a split there. There was a split a different way. Red Bull and Mercedes, it's a, uh, and then there was a, yet another split in terms of um, which teams felt that they needed to knock it on the head um, and after the McLaren withdrawal, and uh, which teams thought it was still feasible to continue. I thought it was, uh, the last few days have been a brilliant example of how it's just chaotically uh, political and, and competitive Formula One is in the way that teams' self-serving interests they can check they they change on a like like that just based on what you want because Red Bull and Mercedes found themselves completely aligned on one then again then and against yeah, each other on, that's just uh, that's standard F1 yeah. you, you and, can you uh, can be having a, an, an ally in, in one camp and uh, they're an enemy in the other but they, 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 they happen simultaneously and then when it came to the decision over um, whether we're continuing to uh, whether we continue with the event or not they found themselves briefly aligned and then yes. and then not aligned, <laughs> they're not aligned again. <laughs> so they managed to get yeah. both in one in the same <laughs> yes. thing yeah 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 this is it, an illustration of that it's never just about is this a good idea or not it's always part of a battle again formula one's great because it's competitive yeah but then that competitiveness spills over into the real world and just looks a bit stupid, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes it, yeah, it, it, makes it stuck sometimes, doesn't it? You can't go forward because there's such a struggle going on behind the scenes. We were talking about the, um, the, the, the length of time it took to go from when McLaren did its announcement to the, to the race being called off. So that must have been, thinking about it now, what, one and a half, so what, 10, 10 hours, 11 mm-hmm, hours? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been because it was. What, it was about it was about nine o'clock this morning. It was yeah, exactly. So it was about 11, 11 hours. And the amazing the amazing thing was that there were there was a state official on the radio about an hour before it was called off saying yeah there'll be no spectators allowed in there. But so you had official commu- effectively official communication from the government saying no spectators. Nobody told all the spectators who were queued up at the gates here. So they had no idea. I mean that that's where no matter what the situation, that's a failure, isn't it? That they have failed in their duty to the to the spectators there. Yeah, 100%. And this is the thing that annoys me is during that 10, 11 hours that it took for McLaren to make their to make their news public and, and the race being called off, it was overnight, fair enough. In a normal circumstance, you'd say, okay, well, that 10-hour period is completely legitimate. But most of the people involved were working through that, that period because it was, it was require, requiring these meetings. I mean... How how we didn't get to the point? I I understand that a two a.m. Uh, Australian time announcement wouldn't have been particularly particularly good or, or or useful, but it would have been absolutely vital to stop people going to to the track on the on Friday morning. Because bottom line is the reason we're the reason we're not having this race, the reason it's been called off, is because we don't think it's safe in the in the in the, the context of a, a pandemic and the fact that coronavirus has been proven to be 
Um, it, you know, it's, it's in the paddock. There are other cases around Melbourne as well. So you don't want people here and you don't want people interacting with people here because of this virus. You just bust in a load of fans in the morning because you didn't, they, they didn't make a decision quick enough. I just, it was just a, there's just so many elements of it that was a, a failure, not up to standard. You could, you can get, I got quite irate about it last night in, in particular. It was a failure, wasn't it? Because, you know, even the fact all the spectators were queued there to get into the track today, we had to basically sort of push through them all. Now, there was no clear advice given about exactly what the potential for exposure had been. We didn't know which McLaren person it was who'd been uh who'd been diagnosed we didn't know exactly where they'd been etc so you have this this kind of there's that general standing instruction or if you've if you've got good reason to think you've been exposed to someone and ideally self-isolate well we, that information wasn't available to us we didn't really know and you kind of think well uh, I'll, I'll, what actually is is the bar here nobody bothered to communicate that eventually we found out that it was all right it was actually mclaren who effectively told everyone that because they put out their own statement on uh, on Friday morning, basically saying, "Right, we can explain a little bit about this. We've we've quarantined, self isolated fourteen other team members on top of the one who was uh, who was diagnosed, because that's the fourteen people who associated most closely. So you think, oh well, if all the McLaren team isn't isn't in that situation, then we're we're all fine as well. But what if that wasn't the case? You know, this is a, the the thing is, people sort of talk about it as if the circuit's hermetically sealed, as it were. And th- there was this talk that you could have a kind of a, the paddock lockdown Grand Prix because it's only well F1 who's brought it in, so they can pass it between themselves. What does it matter? It's like this is a city of five million people. Yeah, and you, after after the paddock's finished for the day, the paddock people go outside. Yeah, so the, and the, we are in the city. It's it's just unavoidable. We're we're using the the trams, the taxis, the restaurants, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there was a failure there because, and, and I was I was sort of arguing with people on Twitter about this because I complained about this and the point i was trying to make is i'm not we're not really worried about us getting it but what we don't want to be is agents for transmitting and spreading this virus and information is king in this sort of situation and nobody saw fit to just sort of say actually you know this is a situation which i I thought was a failure of, of responsibility as it happens it wasn't a big problem but that's more by luck than judgment and we could have ended up with a being told at midday on Friday. Oh, by the way, you should probably isolate now, having hauled everyone into the track, having let them have twelve hours of, of meandering around the place. And then what? Then if if the, the the cases of coronavirus jump significantly in Melbourne, it's tied to the Grand Prix, which is a very bad look, bad for Formula One. And you just sort of think, with well, the stakes here, come on, do better. Yeah, it's. I mean, we, yeah, we are on, on uncharted territory. And so it is the first run through for everyone. So there's, there's that. But the, the cautious, the caution rule applies. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah, exactly. And and the the whole point of um, trying to contain this is to slow it down as much as possible, so that the, the hospitals aren't overwhelmed. That's going to be absolutely key when you when you you you, know, you read what the experts are, are telling us. You um, had enough of experts. <laughs> And so, um, I'm taking that as a no. I hope, anyway. Otherwise, you're bad. <laughs> so I'm not getting into that parallel argument. With you. Um, and so here's Formula One potentially uh, accelerating it, um, which is, you know, whether we, whether we got away with it or not. It, it even coming here seemed a bad idea. Yeah, but, yeah. I think that probably in retrospect that seems to be the case. And even as we we're all heading out here, it, was, it felt like it was a it was a real a real uh, 
gamble, should, should we say. But coming back to the whole question of who wanted to race, etc., et how much of it do you think was a was a, a pure what sensible decision? How much of it was down to the wider political shenanigans? But how much of it was just down to pure self-interest? For example, Ferrari was pretty much from the start dead against racing. Well, we know Ferrari claims to be behind the curve in terms of development. They probably thought, if we start the season a bit later, that's not bad. On the flip <laughs> side of the coin, Racing Point have got a car well, really well in testing, a nice benign car, they understand it, yeah. expecting a strong start. Well, I think we quite like to start the season, actually. And you kind of think, well, again, there's this extra dimension of kind of self-interest and competition coming in there that just muddies the water even further, setting aside all the, the controversies over legality. Certainly, in the, in the case of Racing Point, I can imagine they, they were raring to get going. Um, has to abstain from the vote, I would imagine abstain because they didn't want to vote against Ferrari. Um, but I would imagine Haas really fancied it because A, McLaren wasn't there and that's sort of right in the, the, the band of that midfield pack that they'd be uh, expected to be competing in and, and B, they always fly around Albert Park. There's something in the DNA of their, of their, their car that lets them... That, you know, it's invariably their strongest race of the season. Um, so, yeah, there'd be some competitive consideration, definitely. Um, but in the case of Ferrari not wanting to, I, I do believe that was genuinely uh, driven by you know, the very, very jumpy already about the whole you know, contagious um, situation in, in Italy and whether they could come or not and you know, carefully monitoring the people inside the team. And so it was already a very jittery presence and I think that just sent them over the edge. The McLaren thing just probably sent them over the edge. And I don't think they had any stomach to be taken any further part. They just wanted everyone to be safe and to get somehow get home. And so I, I don't think that's so much a consideration for them. And of course, the whole thing was much more real for those those mm-hmm. from Italy because Absolutely. they're sort of further along in terms of this, this thing. So it's it's less of a hypothetical what might happen. It's like, right, that's happening. We've We've kind of lived it. Scott. We had the the press conference on Friday morning with Andrew Westacott, the, the head of the Australian Grand Prix uh, Association, and Chase Carey of F1 was there. It was interesting when the whole question of what Lewis Hamilton had said, that cash is king line, where he suggested that that was the reason why they were all there. And obviously, Chase Carey tried to bat that away, saying, well, if if, if cash was really king, we wouldn't have cancelled it now. What did you make of that? No, Chase was chuffed. He was well happy to uh, to to have the cash is king line thrown, it, thrown him. He was, yeah, you could tell he was. Uh, he was absolutely delighted that that had been. Uh, He's mentioned. being sarcastic, isn't he? <laughs> Might be a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He, he needs to. He needs to yeah, phrase it a bit better. One, one, one neck in. Um, yeah. Yeah. Th- I, you could tell. You could tell by just the, the the way. You know, when someone's body language just changes immediately, like the second they've they've grasped exactly what they've they've been asked. The moustache bristles. Yeah, exactly. I, you, it, the curls went away. It just sort of straightened out at the edges. That's how annoyed he was. <laughs> Cartoon esque. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, um, Chase's argument was that if that was the case, if cash was king, the race would go ahead. There wouldn't be an issue. I mean, I don't think it's quite that black and white. I think that's quite a convenient answer to be able to to, to put forward. But at the same time, when when Lewis made that statement, he did Lewis did follow up immediately with obviously I I, I don't really know. And also the the cash is king line fundamentally like from an F one's point of view, it's bad. But for people that are here because they have to be here because of work, if they don't come here, they're not going to get paid for doing their jobs like in that situation cash is king as well so there are different levels to it but i didn't i didn't buy what 
Kerry was saying in the in the sense that they were simply trying to play the situation in front of them and 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 make the decisions that they thought thought were right. I think they made the decisions that they thought they could justify, and I agree with what you two were saying at the beginning, which is like they basically were just seeing if they could get away with it. It was a bit of a roll of of the dice. They obviously saw it as a risk worth taking. It wasn't just F1 thinking that. The Australian Grand Prix Corporation obviously has a, a lot to lose if uh, the race doesn't come off. So so they wanted to they were willing to give it a go uh, as well. Melbourne wasn't immune to to the coronavirus situation before F1 got here. It was it was dealing with its own stuff including that the uh, women's 2020 uh, cricket World Cup final is that right, Ed? Have I said that? Yeah, no, the, the Lewin's T Twenty World Cup final that was on uh, Sunday at the MCG, which I went to. In fact, you did exactly. I mean, maybe don't publicise that too much, considering someone from that event has got coronavirus. But um, there's that. The Albert Park Hotel had a had a case as well. So, so it's not like this virus wasn't in the city already. But I think what Kerry's argument that you know it wasn't about money; it was about trying to do what they thought was right and eventually coming to the right decision. Yes, they eventually came to the right decision, but they came f- to the right decision because of a l- bunch of other variables and a bunch of a- an action from a bunch of other people that that who were um, taking action that that Formula One and and the other bodies involved should have been taking. So, yeah, I, I don't, I I think Kerry was making the argument that maybe you'd expect him to make and probably saying all the right things from the, the F1 CEO's point of view. But put it this way, I think with a little bit of different a different kind of leadership in that over the last few days i don't think kerry would have found himself in that position having to make that argument which i'm not entirely sure he believes himself anyway yeah he knows he has to say it i think it's you're pushed into the position where you have no choice and then you say well we've made that decision we've done the right thing no not not entirely convinced by that but anyway it is a complicated uh situation now there's obviously implications for the for the wider calendar. There's a few things to talk about here. They did say in that same press conference, Andrew Westercutt, the, the head of the uh, the promoter, basically said, "Well, although they they used the word cancelled, he said that like, that language was chosen very specifically, so there was no confusion. If they'd said postponed, those spectators who turned up might think, oh, it's a postponement of a few hours or something. Chinese whispers, as it happens, nobody was communicating anything to them, as far as I could tell early on, so uh, didn't make much difference, but." There is a scope for this to be only a postponement, and they didn't rule out the possibility of it running later this year. But that's that's not going to happen, is it? That's going geographically difficult, isn't it? It's just Ge- just Ge- distance geographically from every, difficult, else. calendar difficult. Albert Park is a temporary facility. Yeah, everything's it, against it. Ex- exactly. I mean, the, if we assume that there are going to be further cancellations, and I think there are, you can at least imagine that you've transferred the summer break to now. And you can get restarted with some rescheduling and maybe some back-to-backs and eating into what was, you know, the August break. It's feasible that we could sort of claw back most of the lost races. I would imagine just just given a casual look at the calendar, but this this one stands out as probably impossible to 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 to, to get back on. Yeah, it's uh, especially that there's there's local opposition to it still as well. It obviously takes over Albert Park, so it just doesn't just doesn't really work. Scott, wider implications calendar wise. We mentioned that Baku is a possible start date, depends how things go. But short term, we've got Bahrain next week. Then the third round's due to be Vietnam a couple of weeks later. China, the weekend after that, is already postponed uh, previously. So short term, what's going to happen with that string of races? this was another question that that Kerry sort of dodged just you know 
I understand that he can't stand he can't stand in front of everybody and turn around. So yeah, Bahrain's off, Vietnam's off because he's he was in Vietnam this week, wasn't he? Trying to uh, trying to save save the race, but um, realistically, Bahrain is uh, isn't happening, and that's going to be something that needs to be communicated or uh, imminently. It certainly needs to be dealt with imminently because they need to they need to have conversations with their partners there and make sure that. I, I suspect there'll be fewer hoops to jump through than have, have, uh, has been the case here, but that will need to be dealt with. And Vietnam, I think, I, I really, really hope that what we've had over the last few days here means that what happens with Vietnam is 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 a much smoother, uh, smoother process because with the situation regarding the visa restrictions and the fact that F1's trying so hard to make itself exempt from those from those restrictions to make sure that the that the race can go ahead, we know that the the I think one of the issues is going to be that the promoter in Hanoi really wants the race to to, to go ahead, and it's the first meant to be the first ever Vietnam Grand Prix. So a little bit worried that, again, going back to what Lewis said, cash is king. If you spent a load of money on the first ever race and you're you've lost, presumably the Vietnam Grand Prix have lost a pretty big number of, of, of tickets from Asia as well because of what, what's been going on. That China is where the where the virus started. So. There, there are going to be external pressures there to keep that race on, and I just hope that with with what's happened here, the the Vietnam situation is just handled a little bit easier. But you know, Mark, you've seen a fair few um, like new Grand Prix in those sort of regions and these sort of cash sensitive regions, I guess, over the years. I don't how how would it be naive to 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 think that it will be dealt with completely responsibly, or, or do we risk getting involved in another situation oh, like I think, we did here? I th- I, th- I think the the seriousness of the situation um, will ensure that the the Vietnam government um, probably ensures that it's uh, it puts enough conditions on it, such as the visa restrictions, that it makes it unfeasible. Um, and I think ultimately would would wouldn't allow it to happen, no matter how much the um, the private investors have, have, have put in it. It's it's not a it's not a government funded race. This one, the, the Vietnam one. So, um, and Vietnam has been brilliant at how um, well it has contained the virus, given that it's got a it shares a border with China. Um, it's been absolutely resolute in uh, containing it. So. Uh, no, I can't imagine they're going to suddenly become quite blasé about uh, inviting F1 um, just a few weeks after uh, the escapade we've just had here. Well, that, that's what never doesn't make sense about the uh, attempt to get F1 personnel exemption from the from from the travel restrictions because this circus is the last thing that a country needs to coming into it, and especially when it's a country like Vietnam that did so well. I think it's twenty two days without a, a new a new case and. Uh, they all of the active cases had had recovered, so that was fine. And then they had a, a a handful emerge recently, so that has spooked people. I think within that country, worried that that containment effort has been compromised. So we'd like to think the responsibility will win out there. So Bahrain off, Vietnam off, and then you've immediately bought yourself a few weeks before the Dutch Grand Prix. But then with everything going back going on in in, in Europe, travel restrictions, spectator restrictions, all different kinds of precautions. Who knows how long it'll it'll rumble on for, and it you know if it, if we get to if if it gets to the point where a month off, a month off isn't enough, and we need two months or a little bit more for the pandemic to to calm down and things to go back to normal, and we start in Azerbaijan, so be it. Baku is not my favourite place in the world to go, but it's capable of throwing up a 
spectacular or random race, isn't it? So maybe the <laughs> maybe we'd see maybe who knows Sergio Perez and Racing Point winning the opening race of the season in Baku. Well, there's a little bit more calendar chat in a moment. We'll have a very brief break, and we'll be back after this to pick that up. But Scott, just coming back to what you're saying about the calendar, we kind of glossed over those early European races, Dutch Grand Prix, Spanish Grand Prix, Monaco Grand Prix, all scheduled to take place in May. And the feeling is that they're probably not going to work as as well, isn't it? That, that's why there's, there's this kind of natural couple of month gap, isn't there, isn't there in the season? Yeah, there is an opportunity here to, to, to just give F1 breathing space. And this is part of the problem with, with their attitude towards Australia, Bahrain and Vietnam is you've, you've got this condensed run of races that are vulnerable to the coronavirus pandemic, but the, the timetable simply doesn't allow for, for anything to go amiss. So now that Australia has been top, it's like a domino effect. One goes and then all, all, all three disappear. We've lost China already. So the first four flyaways are done. We can avoid that with, uh, with what's going on with, uh, later on in the year because sporting events uh, around Europe and just cut travel between countries in, in, in Europe is is difficult and there are limits on the number of groups that can uh, or the, the size of groups sorry that, that can gather so you're going to have problems with, um, with with audiences and how's that going to work Zanvoort's got his own problems because obviously you've had the the renovation work there there's still a lot of work to be done to get that that track 100% finished that's the case if it's the fifth round of the season, which it was supposed to be at the very beginning. If it's going to start the year, it absolutely has to be 100% ready. And I'm not entirely sure it would be. But also, a big part of what makes that race feasible is you're going to sell it sell it out because it's max of Max Verstappen fever. If you've got spectator restrictions still in place, and who knows, then how's that going to be viable? And same for Barcelona, which is obviously Spain's kept its place on the calendar um through a through through a late deal but there's not a lot of money attached to that it's got it's it's going to be limited potentially to the same spectator restrictions and if you can't sell the tickets how do you make the money off off of that event so and one thing that i was surprised by this week was to see how quickly the automobile club de monaco put out a statement to say um look the race is going on but we're aware of this and monitoring it i mean if that's not an indicator of how 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 wide-reaching this issue is that's the end of may that is the last of those those races, and even they're going. Hang on, guys, this isn't necessarily a hundred percent. Also, from F one's perspective, the Monaco one's not a, a big financial. It, it's a free race. They, 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 it's unique in that it um, it isn't charged a fee. So, you know, if if Formula One was looking at um, giving itself a you know a break from the the virus, that one wouldn't be a financial hit. So. I think that's why we seem to be gravitating towards Baku. But even so, you even thinking that that's surely time enough. I don't. You don't necessarily know because it's just how it's how the virus mutates and it spreads. Um, so we we we, it, we are in the hands of uh, of, a, of a virus that we we don't know much about. Yeah, pandemics don't really tend to take into consideration uh, calendars and stuff like that, do they? They're they're notoriously disregarding of such yeah, concerns. Yeah, exactly. But if you look, for example, we're talking about other events that are affected by stuff like this. If if you look at, just take football, for example, if the European Championships are moving from 2020 to 2021 to give enough time, now that is a, that's a summer championship. So if something like that can't take place, and I know that there's going to be preparation work for that that would be affected by it, and that's part of why you can't do it. Plus, moving it back allows the European 
league fixtures that have been postponed for now to be played during the summer, the bottom line is there you've got ramifications running well into the summer and beyond. So I I look at Baku from the point of view as I feel like that is when the F1 season has to start for it to be realistic to get a decent number of races that we've postponed back in at the end of the year. Otherwise, yeah. what what are we looking at? Like season season wise, we, this was meant to be a record twenty two race season, but I, I I honestly don't know what is a realistic number. I, I think now. The, from uh, what I understand, there have to be at least eight for it to be a valid championship. Um, I think we be absolutely disastrous if we couldn't get the eight. But who knows? Well, you never know. That's that's the thing, and it's. Uh, you know that there's some of these races are quite you know Bahrain's quite easy to put back in and because that's usable anytime China's not the most convenient place but that circuit's usable obviously as we said Albert Park doesn't really uh well obviously the Monaco Grand Prix isn't <laughs> isn't an easy thing to uh to put on but I, th- I think the the whole question of whether this is a proportionate response is supported by the fact that all these other sporting sporting categories are doing it NBA suspended Major League Soccer we've got Cricket games being held behind closed doors. Euro twenty twenty may well be postponed. We've got you know all sorts of league games in football in Europe cancelled. Rugby, you know, every sport is taking this action. It's very very easy for people to say, "Oh, it's just a bit of an overreaction," but it, it's you know it's the reality. It, it it's not. And anybody who says they know exactly how things are going to go in it is you know basing it on on just pure guesswork. There's no way to say exactly what's going to happen. But there is space for a rapid fire series of races the real question then is what's sensible and reasonable to expect do you go to a point where you think right okay we're going to put 15 races in 15 weekends or something and just just absolutely flay people you've got to be a little bit responsible in fact MotoGP has constantly changed its calendar over the past week or so and there have been points where there's been this idea that just be rapid fire series of races and you've got to kind of think well it's got to be as well as possible to get all the stuff there, you, you know the people have got to be able to do it, etc. So there's a lot of of uh, factors at play, but yeah, this period of a pause seems to make a, a a lot of sense. Well, that's that's kind of covered that that issue. There were a few other things going on in the paddock. We'll see, Mark, you mentioned the 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 Red Bull Mercedes legality thing. There's also this Ferrari FIA engine settlement, which is. Uh, a spectacular failure of transparency <laughs> going on there. There was a little bit of talk about it, a little bit of movement this weekend. So in amongst all this, there was some more of this. Yeah, there was this, some this um, communiques firing back and forwards on the on the Ferrari fuel flow issue between... Uh, so uh, um, the FIA and uh, Chase Carey jointly answered the... or responded to the, the seven teams' initial uh, queries... Um, the seven teams weren't satisfied with those answers and had um, planned to do a follow-up, but uh, events, coronavirus events, sort of overtook that. But that is still ongoing. That that niggle and that um, the, the, the the teams wanting to understand more fully what exactly this agreement is and what had been found, and that 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 will still that's still got more to play out. Uh, in terms of the DAS steering system, yeah, I think we can assume that when we do eventually get a race weekend underway and the cars run, if the Mercedes is seen to be running the DAS system, I think we can very safely assume that Red Bull will um, put in a protest and we'll go through that process. Whether it would um, prevail in, in that, win that protest, I, I, 
I don't know. I I I, I suspect it's uh, it will it will be passed as perfectly legal. But who knows? You know, when when it, it things can be overturned. Um, it's a uh, uh, rear suspension which was queried last year by Ferrari. Actually, the same type of suspension on the, on the same grounds. That its uh, brake ducts appear to uh, go beyond the prescribed area that is permitted. And last year it was uh, found to be legal because Mercedes could demonstrate that the air channels didn't feed the brakes of the 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 triangular section that went beyond the uh, prescribed area. It wasn't for brake cooling, it was for rim cooling, so they could uh, control the tyre temperatures. Um, but uh, this hasn't satisfied them, specifically wording of uh, Red Bull's protest of it the second t- querying of it the second time around. And this time the FIA issued a technical directive saying that, no, you can't have any channels there uh, at all. So Mercedes had to... Uh, do a, a hurried modification uh, to it, although they could have saved themselves the bother, as it turned out. Yeah, it's uh, good that there's a few of these topics to keep talking about on, yeah. on in the background, but, yeah, at least because it seems something to do. Uh, yeah, brake ducts and steering columns, not a lot to be going on with until June, though. So, yeah, I'm struggling to think. <laughs> you, you, you've just, well, we've, 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 the race have, have launched a number of podcasts recently, yeah. Formula E podcast, yeah. nice G podcast. We, we can do the race break ducks podcast and okay. uh, do some episodes of that, the, 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 the race mm-hmm. uh, DAS podcast, great, you know. Great break ducks of history. Yeah, yeah. Get, we could get Gary Anson to talk about that. He doesn't, oh, yeah, he, he he, doesn't like he'll have, de- he'll have designed some of the best ones, but he, he, he takes exception to the uh, the ones that are more than brake ducts, that are aerodynamic devices. I know Gary ups, gets upset by that. Um, I, I always think, you know, if he if he had a chainsaw and he brought a chainsaw to the to the paddock, he would. That's where he would attack. First of all, he would attack brake ducts with the aerodynamic appendages on them. I just had a when you were talking about the um, the the DAS there and the disagreement with with what Rebel's DAS disagreement is, the DAS disagreement. <laughs> um, how, is there a chance that this delay at the start of the year costs Mercedes its technical edge? Because if let's say the DAS does get protested, but it's proven legal, therefore it's it's okay to run. Whatever time it would have taken to because we were. The teams were saying it's a it's a job of months rather than weeks mm. to get it done, but let's say the season doesn't start until Baku. Yeah. Ferrari was developing it yeah. from the very from the first week of testing when they saw it. I mean, what what do we think? Is that enough time to to, to replicate it? And if it does work, does that mean that actually? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's a that's really unfair on Mercedes or anything like that. But they did a great job to 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 roll that innovation out and and yeah. and, and, and catch everybody on their toes and. Because of the way the season's gone, maybe they won't actually have any races where they have it and nobody else does. Well, yeah, if, you're, if you're not Red Bull, it's going to be certainly doable to get one. Yeah, every, every, everyone apart from Red Bull, I would say, is um, has got to be looking very seriously at doing it because it's uh, it's probably worth lap time. The Mercedes wouldn't be on the car if it wasn't. And it's it's eminently doable. It's, it's just an engineering thing. It's not new. Uh, it doesn't require some new trick software or anything like that. It's just mechanical engineering. It's interesting actually because what Scott mentions there is how the whether it's a foreshortening or the compressing of the season or whatever we don't know whether it'll be eight races, fifteen races, but we could still easily easily have a seventeen, eighteen, nineteen race season if they condense it. Maybe that's a bit optimistic, but you know we will see a reasonable amount of racing. We hope, provided coronavirus gets under control. But there's all these things it will impact. So you've got the development wars between the teams. So teams that were banking on starting strong. 
and maybe holding that advantage. Racing Point appears to be one of those, probably thinking it's a bit of a blow because other teams are going to have a few months to at least to, to develop. And then also for the drivers. So we've got loads of people out of contract. So if you're someone like Valtteri Bottas, for example, wanting a new Mercedes contract, you're probably thinking this isn't necessarily a bad thing because kind of the neutral position for Bottas is, yeah, he's he's the right guy to do it. And that one of the pressures on him will be George Russell showing really well in a, in, a, in a Williams that's at least able to race. Well, George Russell can't do anything to change, to, to build experience while he's sat not doing anything. So it's really interesting. There's all these drivers. And what does it mean? for? Does it help Sebastian Vettel? Does it hinder him? I, I don't know, because obviously there will still be this, this countdown to getting contracts done, etc. If the season starts in June, you're still going to be wanting to get deals done Quite yeah, early, it's frozen so. their stature and time, whereas normally a season's dynamics changes their stature up and down. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, and it's, it, I don't really have a conclusive answer on it. Is it good for Daniel Ricciardo? I don't really know. He's a he's a he's a, a basically a free agent next year. He'd be a great signing for various teams. D- does this? I, I, you just don't really know because yeah. it, it's just put everything in stasis. And I imagine if you're if you're sitting on a, a nice hand like, say, Bottas, you're probably thinking, oh, stick, yeah, I like this. This, mm-hmm. this. this is good for me. Stick. Yeah, but but for others, it's it's, yeah. it's really complicated. I think it will be interesting. We'll only really know this in 10 months' time when we look back on the season. We'll think, oh, actually, mm-hmm. that, that cancellation yeah. of the coronavirus, coronavirus, you can almost guarantee, will mean that the grid next year, who's in what seats, will be a little different to how it would be. I don't know how different. Mm-hmm. It might just be one seat, it might be see, but it's all these drivers that has an impact on Nicholas Latifi was meant to be making his Grand Prix debut. He's now gonna have to wait a few months for it. And <laughs> just all these these people who are impacted, it's uh it's it's interesting to imagine how, how that could change things. Mm. And it is difficult to, to work out exactly because it's one of those events that it cha- it changes the the it just changes the path that we we've gone down and we'll never know exactly how it, it could have turned out but it has set us down a, a potentially very different path with different opportunities, challenges, benefits, and 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 drawbacks to to the teams and the manufacturers and and, and the drivers. And some of those will be quite obvious to see, won't it? If uh, if four or five teams turn up to the first race of the season in June with the DAS, and you go, okay, well that's clearly a benefit there, but the other stuff will be a bit more subtle behind the scenes, and we won't see it. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it, it, it's a sort of sliding doors moment overall as well. You know, you know, maybe Sebastian Vettel was destined to win this weekend. He's good around this circuit. Maybe the Ferrari wasn't quite strong enough, but you know, you know, you never know. That could have changed everything for him. Just well, we in this talk. universe, yes. But there's there's lots of parallel ones. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, what, every every eventuality. Yeah. There's one in which. Pastor oh, you Maldonado... on, we're only talking about this one, aren't we? In this <laughs> uh, podcast. Okay, yes. Yeah, yes. Stay in this sorry. one. We have we have got a, a series of podcasts launching for parallel universes coming. Oh, excellent. Ca- coming soon as well, in, including the one where Pastor Maldonado drives for Ferrari. I think okay. That's, that's... I'm coming to them all. Yeah, well, that's what that's what we uh, that's what we paid to do. Uh, yeah, uh, well, we're being purely speculative there, but uh, the impact on the season and uh, on whole careers is going to be very, very far-reached. I guess all we can do is just hope that the global situation gets under control. That's the number one priority, and that you know everybody wants normality to be resumed as soon as possible. And probably the best case scenario for Formula One that's in a couple of months, and that would be if, if things go well for the world as well so let, let's see how it's uh how it all goes uh, do check out the race.com just because there's no formula one doesn't mean we won't be producing huge amounts of content about uh about grand prix racing when we've worked out what to what to talk about and uh yeah 
obviously the, the podcast will continue through this period our youtube channel is going to continue to to produce stuff so there's uh yeah plenty to uh to delve into there so thanks scott mitchell and and mark hughes and uh yeah i can promise you you'll be hearing plenty more from the race even during this hiatus <laughs>